Loving Father, we thank you that we can gather this morning and we pray that you would feed and nurture us by your word, that you would grow us to be more and more like Jesus. And we ask this all to your praise and glory. Amen. Uh, I hope uh, you have your Bibles open at Matthew 1. That would be enormously helpful uh, on this uh, Sunday before Christmas. Can you believe it? Uh, With Christmas in in mind, I want to ask the question, how do you think the birth of Santa came about? Who made Santa Claus is the question. That's a strange question, I know, but you know Islam was born in the 7th century, early in the 7th century, 600 years after the death of Christ. That's when Muhammad, Muhammad had his vision and he decided earlier revelations of God were corrupt and the rest is history. But did you know Santa Claus is even older than that? Santa means saint. And Claus is a shortened form of Nicholas. Saint Nicholas was a bishop who lived in Turkey in the 4th century. That's very early, isn't it? And history records uh, this bishop's attendance at the Council of Nicaea. He is one bishop who signed off on the Nicaean Creed. Yet that creed we say every other Sunday in church. And St. Nicholas is someone who, understanding God's generosity to him, showed abundant generosity to others. He cared for the sick and the needy. He gave gifts. He showed God's love. And that is worth remembering and giving thanks for. Absolutely. They even made a special day for St. Nick. What day was it? It wasn't December 25. It was December number 6. December the 6th. But it all got too much for people, didn't it? Nick and Jesus in the same month. Little wonder the two days have merged into one day. So Santa Claus is a modern take of a real historical figure. He is somebody anchored in history, and that is how uh, the legend of Santa came about. But how did Christmas come about? Who made Jesus? Who puts the Christ into Christmas? Because it's not called Santa Mass, is it? Where did Jesus come from and why? What is the point of it all? Well, our reading this morning tells us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Can you see it? This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Here is Joseph and Mary, and they are betrothed. And this is a binding arrangement that could be broken only by death or divorce. Can you imagine the news that Mary is pregnant? Joseph is suddenly not planning a wedding, he's planning a divorce. How humiliating for him, how angry and confused we might expect him to be. How will they get it together, this couple? Mary's pledged to be married, but she's pregnant. She's with child through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, 
he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Here is a huge moment in salvation history and divorce is on view. This is scandalous. And at this point we might ask, well, why is Joseph in the frame? Kind of stands in the background in our nativity scenes. Well, why couldn't Mary just be a single mum? Well, one answer, of course, is because God's ways are not our ways. That is for sure. But imagine if Joseph was not in the frame. Uh, would that devalue fathers everywhere? Uh, maybe without Joseph, people might conclude that Mary is somehow married to God. Or the mother of God. And that would be plain unhelpful. That would give her a status that exceeds that of Jesus. Have no doubt we should honour Mary. Yeah, that's true, but thank God for Joseph. To his credit, he takes the most private arrangement possible and he does all he can to save her from public disgrace, even though it will cost him his reputation. Verse 20. Can you see verse 20? After Joseph thought about it, do you see that? After Joseph thought about it, he has a light bulb moment. Is that what it says? No, you can do all the thinking that you want to do, but what you actually need is an angel. An angel appears. And Joseph, son of David, did, uh, said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So that which was off is now back on again. Now Joseph has clarity. Now he sees this in the context of God's work and God's plan. The angel said, and so the cloud of doubt and confusion lifts. So back to our question, where does Jesus come from? Verse 18, conceived of the Holy Spirit. He's come from God. Or verse 20, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Same message in Luke's Gospel. How can this be? How will this be? Answer, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit means divine intervention. Notice it's not human initiative that brings Jesus into the personal life of Mary. Here is the miraculous how of new life. It is the work of the life-giving Spirit. That's the Spirit's job. His office, if you like, is to bring Jesus into human life. The Spirit here makes Jesus a living person inside human life. And so think about that for a moment. And we remember that when Jesus Christ comes to anyone in history, even in this Advent coming to Mary, it is always by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And here, by the Holy Spirit, is God come in flesh. It's the answer that fits with everything else that we know about Jesus. And some will ask, well, is it necessary? Do I have to believe? Do I have to believe in this? Conceived of the Holy Spirit. And my reply is, well, we say it in the Creed. Our estimate of the miracles like this one will depend on your estimation of Christ. And if Jesus is God, then why wouldn't you believe it? Why wouldn't you believe it if Jesus is God? Uh, maybe some of us know the, t- uh, the TV show entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? Good title. Uh, the idea is that if you explore someone's roots and their history, it helps people discover who they really are. Explains the person themselves by digging back into their history. can be fascinating. And this is certainly true of Jesus. His origin is not trivial, but it's vital. His conception is another piece of the jigsaw of evidence that tells us who Jesus really is. That Jesus wasn't a human that did good and became a saint. He didn't work his way up to become God. He came from God. He is God. He is of God from the beginning. He is God with us. Look at verse 22, please. Even the Old Testament announces the coming of Jesus. All this took place to fulfill fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so here we see another proof of where Jesus comes from. He comes from God. He was promised from God hundreds of years prior. And for Joseph, who planned to divorce Mary for being seemingly unfaithful, as he hears these words, he now discovers instead that it is God who is being very faithful. He keeps his promises. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph does what the angel of the Lord tells him. He takes Mary home as his wife. He names him Jesus. Jesus is born and more brothers follow as recorded in Matthew 12. Shock, horror. Mary did not remain a perpetual virgin. The Bible tells us so. Joseph and Mary went on to live as husband and wife in every sense of the word. Let the listener understand. Notice Joseph has adopted Jesus officially. I don't know if you've seen that before. According to Matthew, it's one reason why Jesus is called the son of David. You see in verse 20, Joseph, son of David. 
And you see that earlier in chapter 1, very clearly, Abraham to David goes the genealogy, and then David to Joseph, and then in verse 16, and Joseph, and notice, Joseph is the husband of Mary, he's not recorded as the father here, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And so Jesus is an adopted son. And that's curious too, because isn't that what we are? When we come to faith, aren't we also adopted as God's children into his family? Ephesians 1.5, it's all there. And so Joseph is an example of faith and obedience. Despite confusion and other emotions, he gets a good run in Matthew's Gospel. But do you know that in every scene of Joseph, he does all these amazing, obedient things. How many times does he get to speak? How many times are his words recorded? And the answer is none. None. And so it's like his actions do all the talking. His hallmark is simply obedience. Prompt, simple, unspectacular obedience. He simply obeys God's word. So that's where Jesus comes from. Now, what did Jesus come for? Jesus has come for the big issue, hasn't he? Is the big issue morality? Is the big issue ethics and culture? Is the big issue the environment and climate change? Or is the big issue peace on earth? Well, peace on earth gets me every year, you know. That's a very popular one. And it still does my head in because if Jesus came to bring peace on earth, well, why is the, why is the world still at war? Why is there still violence and hostilities? And of course... Isn't the answer that if God is going to do something about peace on earth, he first has to do something about our lack of peace with him? Yeah, the big issue is peace on earth, but it's not Trump versus the Democrats or Syria. No, Jesus came to bring peace between God and people that we might be reconciled to him. And so it's little wonder then that salvation history here is marked by the threat of divorce and the danger of a broken relationship because we ourselves are broken. This is our state before God. This is the human condition. Our relationship is severed and broken because of our unfaithfulness, our problem is human failure, sin. Our problem is our own rejection of God. And so don't we need God to intervene and speak to us, to give us his word, and don't we need God to set things right like he did for Joseph? Don't we need God to come to us by his spirit and take the initiative? And hasn't God done that by showing himself to us in the person of his, of his Son. The Word himself. God revealed to us in the event that bridges world history, the event of the cross. See, if Jesus is going to solve the problem of world peace 
the problem of our peace with God must be first resolved. Our sin is the big issue. And Jesus came and took our problem and dealt with it himself. Your sin, my sin, is nailed to a cross. It is done and dusted. We cannot go to God on our own. We are not holy. We are not righteous, not even close on our own. We cannot go to God. So Jesus, in Jesus, God comes to us. And it's why he's given the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And now he comes to us by his spirit. His life-giving spirit which changes us and grows us and renews us day by day. And the question then must be, well, has he come to you? Has he come to you? You might have heard this story. I'll share it again anyway. Andrew White was the rector of St George's Anglican Church, Baghdad. And he said in an interview that Christians would still gather and celebrate Christmas despite the violence and threats against his church. In Iraq, the authorities have built a concrete wall around the building to protect the people that go there. When you enter, you have to pass through metal detectors, such as the threat. There has been mass killing of Christians. Many have fled homes and jobs due to fear. And the interviewer suggested, well, maybe it's wise then to cancel Christmas and the services just for the sake of safety. And what was his reply? He said, when you've lost everything, when you've lost everything, the birth of Jesus, the Saviour, is all you have left. Whoever we are, the one gift we cannot do without is Jesus. And he is the gift. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. So what is it you want for Christmas? The predictable answer is rain. And yeah, I'm with you. We're praying for rain. We desperately need rain. And that will fix things for a season. Others might say, well, we want an end to the bushfires. And yeah, I'm with you. I want an end to the bushfires. And that'll fix things for a season. But what Jesus offers is longer lasting than that. Our ultimate need is the right relationship with God, our Father, which makes Jesus the perfect gift, the one gift none of us can do without. And so at Christmas time, let's get about the business of sharing him. Amen.